Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And the whole church said, Amen. Let's pray together. God, I want to be somebody who believes what I just read, and I want to live among people who believe that the unity of the Spirit that you've given us is a gift that may take a lot of effort to sustain and maintain, but it's something you believe in, and you believe the church can do and be faithful in. God, thank you for this moment we have in Scripture with your Spirit and worship. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my name is Jim Hinkle. I'm the executive minister here, and uh, I don't know if I'm sixth string like Matthew, but I'm not varsity, okay? So JV, maybe, uh, but man, I love worshiping when Matthew leads. He just exudes joy, and he's got a little bounce to him when he, when he sings, kind of a little wiggly, and uh, wiggling for the Lord. So I love his heart. Uh, Josh and Kip are both out of town this morning, our regular uh, guys who are leading on Sunday. And I don't know if you've worshipped at another church recently or if you've traveled, but if you don't know how blessed we are to have Josh and Kip here, um, I, I think we probably take them for granted to a degree uh, because they, they are just so fully invested into this church and into these moments and into the gatherings on Sunday, and it really is a blessing. So do yourself a favor. Go visit another church and then come back and be really grateful for Josh and Kip. So a little reverse psychology there. But they'll be, back, uh, they'll be back this week. And over the last few weeks, Josh and Kip have led us through a series about really one anothering. And this idea that's in Scripture that our relationship with God can't be separated from our relationship with each other. So we've got to learn to lean in. We've got to learn to have some level of empathy where we become listeners and practice the spiritual discipline of listening to others before judgment comes, where listening and being with, modeling the presence of Christ is part of who we are as Christians. So this morning, uh, I want to talk about just, there's different levels of gifts, right? And I want to talk about this gift that we have uh, both of the unity of the Spirit and this calling that Paul refers to here. And sometimes uh, getting something from Dollar Tree is really nice, right? It's fun, especially if you're of a certain age. But uh, if you receive something from Dollar Tree, because I can go into Dollar Tree and come home a hero uh, to my elementary daughter, but if I come home from Dollar Tree on an anniversary that doesn't make me a hero to Stacy, right? Uh, but <clears throat> sometimes we get a Dollar Tree gift. It doesn't really require a lot of us to maintain that or to sustain that or to receive it well or to be worthy of it. But if you're going to receive maybe a family heirloom or let's say somebody wants to give you a boat, do you know what to do with a boat? Do you know how to take care of it? I don't, so don't give me a boat. Uh, 
I'm probably more Dollar Tree. But I will receive some gifts because I I know that if you're going to take the time to give me something that special and that precious, it's going to require something of me in the way of being responsible enough to handle that gift. Make sense? And this morning, uh, what Paul is teaching about, what he's writing about in Ephesians 4, are these two incredible gifts that we have to handle with care, we have to open with care, both this, this unity of the church and this calling that we've received individually and corporately. And so I want you to just think about for a moment, I'm going to actually flip back to Ephesians 2 just for a second. You know, what is it that is our calling? Who are we as Christians? And we could go to so many places, but according to what Paul says in Ephesians 2, he says in verses 4 and 5, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. So put simply, the Christians, those who make up the church, we're the people who've been made alive with Christ, even though we should be dead. That, that's it. That's, that's our unifying force, and that's the calling that we have received. And so jumping into verse 1 of chapter 4, Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Some of you, uh, your verse 1 starts with the word therefore. Uh, In my version of NIV, it has then. But if you've ever heard this before, if you see a therefore in Scripture, you ask, what is it? Right. So Ephesians, the first three chapters, Paul spends time saying, this is who you are. And then the last three chapters, 4, 5, and 6, this is what that means in your life practically. This is who you are. And I just read kind of what I would say is kind of the crux of what Ephesians 1 through 3 is. You're people who are made alive in Christ because of God's rich love for you, and it's by grace. So don't get too conceited or arrogant about being those people because you didn't do anything to deserve it. It's just because of the lavish love of Jesus and his grace and his mercy that you're able to claim that. So that's who you are. And so now Paul is coming and he's saying, all right, therefore... I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. He wants this bad. I don't know what you want for your children, but Paul, in kind of a paternalistic way, he wants, he wants for his spiritual children in Ephesus, he wants them to live this life that's worthy of who they are. That's what his urge is. And to live the life worthy of the calling you've received, he goes on and he explains, this is what it looks like. In verse 2, be completely humble and gentle, being patient, or be patient, bearing with one another in love. This is what the worthy life looks like. Patience, humility, bearing with one another. Those are also, if those sound familiar, Those are very similar to fruits of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5 that Paul talks about. But this is, these are characteristics of every follower of Jesus. Matthew mentioned this morning, there's a lot of negative things said about the church. And one of the accurate things that's said as a critique of the church is there's a lot of things, there's a lot of postures, attitudes, 
that are out there that don't reflect Ephesians 4 2, where there's gentleness and humility and bearing with one another in love. But this is, these are characteristics for all people who follow Jesus. And if you're really going to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received, then those things have to be a part of your life. And that's all, everything I'm going to say this morning, it's not complicated, it's just hard. Amen? It's not complicated, it's just hard. So this whole little section of Ephesians, it's not complicated to realize in my mind, I'm somebody who's made alive in Jesus, and so I'm supposed to be gentle, I'm supposed to live humbly, I'm supposed to bear with one another in love. But man, that is hard to do because I don't always feel like being gentle and humble. And I don't always feel like putting up with your stuff, and you don't always feel like putting up with my stuff, right? I don't feel like bearing with you in love sometimes, and you don't feel like bearing with me in love sometimes. And yet, that's, that's the life, that's the calling that we've been uh, charged with because of great, Jesus's great love toward us. So Ephesians 2, 4, 2 says, this is what the worthy life feels like. And then in verse 3, Paul writes, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And this is so powerful because it doesn't say, work really hard to go out there and unify the church. It says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So, what Paul, remember, he just spent three chapters talking about these are heavenly realities. These are the spiritual realities. One of those he's kind of drawing back is, and the manifold wisdom of the church being shown, uh, or the manifold wisdom of God being shown through the church, like Matthew already referenced, in this who you are kind of point, he says, this, you, you have, I've given you unity of the Spirit. There is unity. Now, your job is to work to maintain it. And to me, that changes kind of how we go at this and how we understand what it is. It's not our job to go out there and get the unity. It's our job to remind each other that we, in fact, have unity and we are united, even when we don't feel like it, even when we feel like the reality that we experience is anything but unified. Paul says, no, actually, the unity of the Spirit is something that I've given through the bond of peace, through Jesus, and it's your job to maintain it, make every effort. So we don't have to work to get it, but man, we have to work hard to keep it. Make sense? Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. We're going to get ready for the ones here. There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all, and in all. I love this list of ones. It's almost like uh, this is what the unity of the Spirit really looks like. All of this oneness. He says first, you have one body. And that's a hard one because Paul is not just writing to the church that meets in one house in Ephesus. And we're not to interpret this as Paul writing to the group of people that happened to gather at 1910 Sycamore View Road on Sundays. This is the church. It is one body. And he's going to go on and he's going to explain how can so many people with so many opinions and so many different worldviews and philosophies, how can they be one body? 
But you don't get to choose who's in the body and who's not. And there can be a great divergence among the body. I could literally probably ask for a show of hands and say, here's a topic. How do you feel about this? And if I were to bring up, you can name the topic, right? There's going to be a variety of opinions inside this room about how we feel about fill in the blank. And it's okay to have strong feelings about fill in the blanks, but that cannot be our identity. You can't shut somebody out of the body because they think differently about something than you do as long as all these other ones are still in place. So we're going to get to that in a a minute. How can we be unified even when there's diversity? So he says one body and then one spirit. And this is so important because the spirit, that is our fuel. That is our energy. That's what gets us here. That's what, if if you think about the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does, his main role in all of scripture is to help us say no to ourselves and yes to Jesus. Say no to what we want and yes to his desire. Say no to selfishness and yes to the selflessness that exemplifies Jesus. And so the spirit, the, the one spirit we have is this idea that when we're together, we're going to say no to ourselves and yes to each other and yes to God because that's what it means to have one spirit. And if you can imagine uh, how beautiful a relationship can be when everybody's living for the other, like that's what marriage is supposed to be, right? I'm, I'm doing premarital counseling with a couple couples right now. I love them dearly. They're going to do great. I don't know if they're in here or not uh, this morning. I haven't seen them yet, but um, they'll do even better if they show up here. Uh, but <clears throat> one of the things that I talk to them about is, you know, marriage, it's not really a give and take. It's a give and give, right? It's just yeah, I'm, I'm going to live for you. And as long as he's living for her and she's living for him in a selfless way, something really special can happen. Tonight I'm going to Nashville to celebrate my in-law's 50th wedding anniversary. That's an accomplishment. That's, that's, that's special. That's something that, that I think is born out of uh, selflessness through the Holy Spirit. So for us as a church, to be one spirit means we are saying yes to God and no to ourselves and beautiful things happen. And I do want to put a little disclaimer with that. I'm not saying no, I'm not, I'm not encouraging anybody to say no to themselves in some kind of boundaryless, self-harming, self-damaging, shaming guilt way. Sometimes we hear that and we're in situations where we need to say yes to ourselves for our own self, for our own livelihood and we need to say that we need to look in the mirror and realize that God has created us as his workmanship and we need to take care of ourselves. So don't, don't take that to, uh, don't do that, something with that that I'm not doing and scripture's not doing. So one spirit, one body, one spirit. And then he says, and one hope. And he says, it's the hope that you were called to. And this is what is so exciting because he then goes on and describes this is what you hope in. You hope in one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's the calling you've received. That's the hope you have. And so the hope of the Lord is Jesus is Lord. That's the one Lord. The one faith is it's faith in Jesus. 
And the one baptism is it's baptized into Jesus. So Jesus is Lord. Faith in Jesus. Baptized into Jesus. I don't know if you see a theme there or not. But it always comes back to Jesus. In, in other places in Ephesians, Paul has already talked about how Jesus is, he himself, our peace. He is what ties us together. And so the way that Paul, I think, envisions biblical unity, it involves us being solely focused on Jesus being Lord, having faith in Jesus, being baptized into Jesus. And all the other controversies, all the other things we can disagree about, it's not that they're not important, but that we can still have unity if we just stay focused and connected on Jesus. That's where no compromise can happen. That's where we can't say, well, it doesn't really matter who Jesus is. It really does. Because if we get that right, everything else falls into place. So, <clears throat> Jesus is Lord, faith in Jesus, baptized into Jesus. And then he wraps this section up by saying, there's one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And then he gets into Ephesians, the last part, the next section. And <clears throat> verses 7 through 16, they're great. I'm not going to take the time to read it today. I want you to do that on your own. You can go to the next slide. Um, <clears throat> It's just a few verses, but it's really powerful. And here's kind of the takeaway. The oneness we have been given grows up through the exercising of us using gifts for the other. Let me read that again. The oneness we have been given grows up through the exercising of gifts for the sake of others. So Ephesians 7, 16, we've just talked about the oneness, and then he says, he talks about all these gifts. So everybody in here, if he's talking to Sycamore View, as we look around, everybody's got some gifts that God has given us. He's given all of us unity of the Spirit. He's given us all of us this one body, one Spirit. But the way that maintains itself and the way that works itself out in practical, everyday life is that you use your gifts for the sake of others in this place. And I'm not talking about this room but I'm talking about in the family of God here at Sycamore View. That's how we grow up together. If you read 7 through 16, it's about biblical maturity. It's about instead of being a child or instead of being an adolescent in the faith, you're a grown man, you're a grown woman. That's the goal. And the way that happens is you believe in the oneness of Jesus and then you get out there and you do something with what Jesus gave you. You exercise the gifts. And as we have a group of people here who are all doing this or doing that, chipping in their gift, using it here, using it there, something happens to us as a body, as a family. We become something far greater, far, far stronger, far more distinct in this world than we ever could have imagined because we're using the gifts God gave us. And when I think about how I have been blessed. I can think of so many examples of people using special gifts that have blessed my life personally. Uh, I, I, I was thinking this morning about some of these folks and I just kind of got a little emotional and overflowed with gratitude about how many ways people have used their gifts to bless me. 
and have helped me hopefully grow up and mature as a believer. And I was thinking about when our first uh, child was born, Anna Grace. Uh, you guys that know Anna Grace, you know, she's 24 years old. She's a well-adjusted adult. And you would have never imagined that she was the terror of the nursery in Madison, Tennessee. Uh, but <clears throat> she started crying at six months and she didn't stop until she was 18 months. And so they called her the project in the nursery. <laughs> and she didn't cry all that time, just when she was in the nursery, from the moment she got dropped off until the second she got picked up. And there was one amazing, beautiful woman uh, who, uh, she was one of our elders' wives, and she would take Anna Grace from uh, Stacy, and then she would go to a room that was not being used and just let her cry for the next hour and a half <laughs> until we picked her up. And she did that for 12 months. Man, what a gift that was to allow Stacy a minute to be able to worship and talk to people. Uh, that, that was incredible. I think of a guy um, in, when we were in Texas and uh, we had these big bushes that were huge and overgrown. And normally, you don't kill things that are green in West Texas, but we wanted, we wanted to be able to see out our windows. And we didn't know what to do with those. And so one day, this guy, his name's Calvin, he just shows up with a truck and a chain, and he just pops those bushes out in about three minutes. What a gift that was to us that we didn't ask for, uh, but it helped our lives. I remember... We were also in Abilene, <clears throat> and remember, when we moved there, we had three kids under the age of six, and we had a, a fence, and there was a little bit of uh, an open spot in the fence, and Stacy was just about to lose it because she couldn't let a kids even run out back without them, you know, getting out of the fence or having snakes and scorpions come in or whatever, live in West Texas, which both those do. And I remember she said, I was just at the end of my rope and I was just praying, Lord, I, I've got to have a break. And this guy named John shows up and he said, hey, I'm, I'm here. I just saw your fence had a hole in it. I'm going to fix that, fix that. And he came from it from a faith perspective. And he was our, our fence angel that gave Stacy a little peace of mind and just used the gift of fix, uh, fence fixing uh, to give us some peace. Um, I've been here over 17 years, and if there's w been one kind of ongoing uh, way that somebody's poured into me, it's been Randy Frederick over here, who's one of our shepherds. Uh, he was assigned to me as my personal shepherd and a youth elder when I came here in 2005. And I don't know if you know Randy or not, um, he is a busy guy and has been super busy. Um, and he's always made time for me every single week that I've had time. <laughs> uh, to, he comes up here and spends an hour to an hour and a half with me asking me about my spiritual health, asking me about my marriage, asking me about temptations that he knows that I have that other people don't know, and he's very real with me. What a gift that is. And Randy has so many gifts, but his accessibility and his faithfulness have been an incredible gift to me here. Um, <clears throat> I think about when we chose to move from Arlington to Binghampton. We didn't hire a moving company. We just said, hey, 
we have a lot of friends at church. Would you guys come out and move us? And we, we made a crazy move with a bunch of crazy people who came up and spent hours uh, helping us load up and pack up and move from uh, kind of what we knew, and what we understood into a brand new setting and situation. And it just took time and it took hard work. And those were the gifts that sometimes we think, I don't know if that really makes our church, I don't know if I have gifts to really contribute to make the church more mature. But I think these are these moments where they're just people who are showing up, being faithful, being attentive, being loving, and something special is happening. Um, a few, a couple months ago, we were blessed to be able to bring somebody new into our household, Meggie. I think he might have just stepped out, um, but uh, he's, he's a bonus kid. He's 15 years old. He's fantastic. We love him, and we're so glad that he's moved in with us. Uh, he's also six foot three, and somebody in this church uh, thought, I bet that kid eats a lot. And uh, I walked in my office a couple weeks ago, and there was a Kroger gift card um, underneath my office door. So somebody had the gift to be able to pass along a gift like that. And I could go on, and I thought about this, but I know I'd go way too long. I thought, you know, in this sermon, just talking about how the people, the church exercising their individual gifts builds us into one, I thought, I, I could just walk up and down these aisles and take the next couple hours talking about, oh, yeah, that, that gift um, or this gift, that person, the way people just show up faithfully time and time again and say yes to each other and no to themselves. That, that is the beauty of the church. Amen? And that is the beauty of what Jesus has come to give us. So, as I wrap up, two things I'd ask you to do. Number one, if we're going to keep the unity of the Spirit, just be united in Jesus. That's it. That's what we're going to get really, really specific. That's what we're going to get really particular about if we're going to be disunified, okay? We're just going to focus on Jesus and we're going to be united in him and who he is and what he's done. And that's where we're going to put our, our, our boundaries. And secondly, use your gifts. Use your gifts. If you feel like you don't have any, you're wrong. I promise you, you do. If you feel like you haven't had an opportunity to use them in this church or in your life, uh, talk to your shepherd. I'd love to talk to you about how you can use your gifts here. That's how we grow together. And that's how the church matures. Giving, being given the gift of unity and calling is something we can't take for granted. It is a gift that we haven't done anything to merit, but it is something we have to work really hard, make every effort to maintain. So this morning, uh, we're going to move to tables in just a minute. And this is our unifying experience, right? Every Sunday, we come together and we take bread and we take juice and we remember what Jesus did in his body and with the spilling of his blood for our lives. And so if this is your first time here this morning, let me just explain a little bit about what's going to happen. I'm going to say a prayer in a minute, and then uh, there will be some soft music that will be played, uh, probably six or seven minutes worth. And then we've got four tables, and you can go to any of these four tables and take the bread and take the cup. You're welcome to take it back to your seat and take it. You're welcome to get in groups and take it. 
We do have a gluten-free option back here for those of you that have that dietary restriction. And we also have some people who are there to receive you for prayer. So Matt Kasky's uh, one of our shepherds. He'll be in the back. Um, I think Brent, are you here, Brent? Okay. Somebody's going to sub for Brent as uh, Shepherd A. <laughs> Randy, you're on call if no one else comes up. See, I told you Randy is helpful. Uh, over here, uh, Kim is going to uh, receive people to pray, and Missy is going to receive people over here. And I'll be down front on the left. So if you have something that you want to share this morning with somebody, you want to pray with somebody specifically, uh, there's a bunch of people here to receive you. But in this moment, we just remember what Jesus did for all of us together and that we are urged to live a life worthy of the calling that we've received. So let's pray and then we'll share in communion together. God, thank you for this moment that we've had to be loved by you and to realize the gift that you've given us in oneness. Oneness is in this body and this spirit. Uh, oneness in the hope that we've been called to. Thank you for what Jesus did and what Jesus continues to do. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.